All right, Brian, we can podcast now, you know. Oh, uh, hell, well, welcome to Evgo Radio uh, 9.74. Close I, I, uh, I'm just, uh, the Sklar Brothers walked in and Randy has a sweater that I own. I know where you got that. <laughs> well, we were going yeah, we to do a, a segment about the, the Maryland game first because it is demanded by our, uh, our, our readership. So we're going we're gonna to hit that off. Uh, you guys will be on the next segment. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> and you can't just walk you, you, in and pick up a head a microphone. You like can, we've got you can <laughs> you can stay, uh, but just don't talk because nobody can hear you. Just, just hear. Just listen to the Terps. We're going to talk I about mean, Terps just, right now. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Very professional podcast. Welcome to Emgro Radio. I'm Brian Cook. I'm Seth Fisher. I'm Alex Jane. And we are here to talk about the Maryland Terrapins. Hmm. So this is a, a real football team. Yep. Half. Yep. Well. <laughs> I mean, even their defense is going to be a major step up from yeah, from what we've yeah, seen before. Sure, and they haven't played many real teams either, so we're going to no. learn a lot about but, both of these teams. But SMU is is yep. a real team. Yep. I mean, they're an AAC team, but we played them. They're they have some they have some talent. Uh, they also put up 520 yards. They outgained Maryland by about 100 yards, uh, and Maryland got two gift interceptions in that game, and that's how they kind of pulled ahead in a game that the fancy stats say that Maryland's going to win about 20% of the time. Yeah, and they forced a fumble inside the 15. It came out at about the four-yard line. Uh, SMU turned it over on downs inside the 15 as well. I mean, this was a game that SMU should not have have lost. But uh, for Maryland, it starts with the offense, right? Yes. uh, That's got the headline talent for the most part. Tolia Tagovailoa. Mostly the same as last year, but he's not throwing as deep um, and not as risky so far. That's what I found interesting. They threw a lot of short stuff against SMU, a lot less kind of running around chaotically. I don't know if that's by design or... or Probably. Probably, but... uh, (laughs) And his offensive line is not, like, just brand new anymore. Like, they actually returned They returned all five. They were the only Michigan opponent to return all five. Right, and so they they lost their pretty good tight end from last year, and they lost kind of just a guy at running back. But everybody else is back, and they brought in... Uh, top 100 recruit from Florida as a wide receiver. They get Dante Demas back off an injury. They get Jeshon Jones back off an injury. Neither of those guys played against Michigan. And so Michigan had Dax Hill and the other receivers uh, who Maryland played against Michigan last year transferred to Utah State and Central this year. So this is an entirely different level of challenge this year from Maryland's passing offense than last year. Yeah, their offensive line isn't like awful so far this year, but they could be exposed. That's an interesting matchup to watch. Um, one guy I do want to point out there is Jalen Duncan, their left tackle, ex-blue chipper. He's showing up on like NFL draft boards, yeah, like as high as the first round. And I don't know about that personally. I, he's been <laughs> doing that for years, and like... so he's really athletic. He moves well <laughs> yeah, in space. When they run Talia, they want him to kind of pull out and and be the the lead blocker a lot of times down the field. So I, I could see that's why. But anyway, to your point about the wide receivers, uh, Dante Demas is back healthy, but he's not back healthy okay. in terms of his 2021 form. If you look at last year's first four or five games, he was playing at all American level, and then he gets hurt against Iowa, misses the season. He hasn't turned it on yet. 
Um, that was just an ACL, though, right? It w- like I believe so. Yeah, I mean, so, I would think he's going to get it back yeah. over the course of the year. Question is whether it's it's fully back tomorrow. Raheem Jarrett is a really good player. He was the worry last year, um, so he's back. And then they add Copeland, they add Jayshon Jones. I mean, this is going to be a very interesting passing attack to 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 take on. And the question is how vertical Maryland's gonna gonna make it throwing down the field. Speaking of vertical, they're running back. Uh, Hembry? Hemby. Rome, Hemby. Roman Hemby. Roman Hemby. You liked him a lot. I kind of just saw a guy who runs really fast if yeah, he af- gets a, a, like a huge gap. Yeah, he's not Kenneth Walker, but right. he's athletic. He got, they gave him some holes. He made some plays. He stiff-armed a guy. Not going to make guys miss in space, probably. He's a he's a very straight line kind of guy. Yeah, I he was the danger man because I didn't want to do Rakeem Jarrett. Right. Yeah. I, understand. Against, <laughs> so, uh, um, I mean, he's he's speed and he actually has some power. Like he's two hundred pounds. He's not like yeah. a, well, He's not like a small guy. I don't think he can juke at a phone booth or like downshift and upshift like Corum. But right, we haven't seen him really pick through a hole or get into a different gap. Right. Um, yeah, he's a guy who gets what's blocked for him and he gets maybe chunks more because he is very, he is a very fast straight line runner that wheel route you pointed out was was pretty impressive yep, and they use him in the passing game i mean this is maryland's offense they can go uh with you know a tight end and uh, flexed out plus a running back lining up as a wide receiver and really spread you out um and the quarterback run is a component as it always is with this team um so they don't do a ton of design runs, but it's peppered in there, not to mention the fact that this will be a good game to test contain because <laughs> Tucker Valoa will want to scramble as much as possible. So one thing that was interesting to me is that our kind of vibe on the blog about Tucker Valoa over the past season or two has been kind of like, ah, he's okay, but, you know, you, you we just wait and he'll explode. And so I'm going over the all the stuff that's out here about his NFL prospects and PFF grading want to go over for the preview and PFF had him at a 90. Yeah. PFF loves him. There are other people who love him. Um, one thing that has been uncovered with him is his statistics and his performances against top tier defenses mm-hmm. and against lesser tier defenses. Sure. And that was something last season where he would just light these lesser teams on fire. And it was kind of emblematic of Maryland as a whole last year, where Maryland as a whole won seven games, but were not remotely competitive in a single game against No, that was also wild. anyone. <laughs> so they had two games where they beat Indiana and Illinois by three points. And then every other Big Ten game was at least a three-score blowout. And there was one in the correct direction for Maryland fans, which was Rutgers. Everything else was just a demolition by the opponent. Yeah, and, you know, Tagovailoa so far, he's still what he is in terms of he's got the the great arm, he's athletic, he's got all that stuff. It's just when he has to kind of improvise and make things on the fly, is he going to make those back-breaking mistakes? I mean, he he had 11 interceptions last year, which is – Kind of a lot, but he also threw the ball almost 450 yeah, times. He's asked to do a lot on this offense. Uh, but again, go back to like the difference. He, they faced, I think, like seven tor- like terrible defenses and then five really good ones. Yeah, I mean, but he like, threw five of his picks against Iowa. Right. <laughs> and maybe that's just like Tunga Vailoa kryptonite because, you know, he's a guy who's trying to fit it in tight spaces, and Iowa is really good at baiting you into that thing. So this is not an Iowa defense. Michigan is in year two of this Ravens coordinator era, even though they had to switch over a defensive coordinator. So 
whatever zones they're running are not going to be nearly as precise and confusing as what Iowa does. So I think Tonga Vailoa can go off for 300 yards in this game. And depending on how many attempts he gets, he takes to get there, you can come out of this game feeling, you know, pretty decent about what Michigan's doing. Yeah. I think it'll be a good test all around. Um, I mean, it's interesting because you look at the SMU game, he comes in really high in the downfield success rate charting. And a lot of that was stuff where I was on the borderline of like, is this a screen or is this <laughs> right. technically downfield? But he did take a few shots. He, he hit Rakeem Jarrett wide open for a touchdown against SMU. He had another one uh, to Jay Sean Jones that was dropped. And like, he can make some plays. Like the scrambling, half the time it's going to be the negative 15-yard sack that just kills your drive. And the other time he's going to roll to the sideline, find a guy open, fit it in a tight window. So, I mean, that's the other thing is, like, can Michigan actually force the mistakes out of Tungabailoa? Because yep. same offensive line from them last year, but Michigan is down Ojabo and Hutchinson, who combined for plus 32.5 last year in your, in your grading. <laughs> kind of a big number. And the flashes from the edges we saw against Colorado State now look, like, sufficient but not like complete because Colorado State's given up 23 sacks in three games. Yeah. So this is going to be a real test to see if there is actually an edge there who can get consistent pressure. It's going to be a test to see if the defensive tackles can create some pass rush on their own. And then the other thing I think for Michigan's defense is Junior Colson right. came in for like a negative 12.5 from you last year. And they were running a whole – I mean, that's the speed and space stuff, right? Like the yeah. whole Gattis versus – right? Like the whole thing was like they run the same offense that Michigan was running. And that offense is all about messing with your linebackers. <laughs> they have a linebacker. We'll get to that in a second. But um, that was like Colson is just so much better now at like not, you know, failing in those moments. Right. Uh Really, I think the the key for Maryland, and I think this is just the overarching thing with uh, Tonga Vailoa and, and the whole team, do not screw up. Iowa, it's not necessarily that they run their <laughs> zones well. It's that like they don't freak out when the play gets down yeah. to three. Like When things break down, because things are going to break down, it's ta-ta time is what I was calling it in the UFR. Yeah. Like, he just runs around back there, and like Michigan State breaks down. And so he threw a gazillion yards against them. Michigan... Don't break down. Like, Iowa, that's their best at, right? It's like yeah. those, they'll stay on target even if that quarterback needs to go so bad. Because eventually Maryland will shoot themselves in the foot, particularly with penalties. Yeah. And 15 against SMU. They have 31 <laughs> on the season. That's second worst in the country. Yeah, and I do want to point out one thing with Ruth Pressure uh, to close this part. Um, it's not super often that you say that, like, the big problem in pass protection for a team is the center. But that was the problem for Maryland against SMU. Okay. And that's what I'm kind of intrigued about was, like, anytime SMU got a little funky and was throwing different stuff up the middle especially, it mm-hmm. was getting home. And we've seen Minter do some interesting stuff with his blitz packages. I assume he picked that up on, on the tape if he was watching the same sure. thing I was. So I'll be interested to see what they do with the defensive tackles and maybe a linebacker to try to get some free rush up the gut. All right. Other side of the ball is much less intimidating. Um I went over the SMU game as well. Nobody can cover. They have one nope. safety who can cover. Yeah, and I was, and he was the danger man for the piece, Bo Braid, more because of the high uh, win probability swing events. He got an interception. He punched that huge fumble out, yeah. and he could cover a little bit. Made he had some a couple, PBUs. Yeah, yeah, he had a couple breaks on the ball that were were solid. Yeah. But otherwise, this coverage situation is kind of a mess. Um, yeah. So I was, I was 
watching the game and I'm like, who is this guy? And it's uh, Bennett. What's his first name? Jacorian. Jacorian Bennett. Bennett. Yeah. And so I go back to your FFF after watching this and like you, you say that he's the one guy that they put out there all the time. And I was like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets a lot of targets too because they leave him in man and they, then they'll probably like they'll roll coverage just the other side. Like Alex kept on sending me plays. He's like, hey, what coverage is this? And finally, I was just like, that's just, that's just putting that guy on man and they're just zoning up everybody well, else. Well, he was, <laughs> I mean, he was on uh, Rice. Rice, Rashid mm-hmm. Rice. Who's yeah. like a six foot two high point maven and just no chance on any like the first one he just falls over on there's like a back shoulder where all three guys throw the flag and the guy still makes the catch yeah he got dunked on like several times yes yeah. he got posterized and like andrew anthony has not been a big part of this offense so no. far this year but it might be andrew anthony and time. the funny part is the smu quarterback was kind of doing what you always wanted shay to do with nico we're like just, just, it there. just throwing it there because there were plays where like several guys would be wide open down the field and he's like, nah, I'm just going to throw a jump ball to this guy. And, and it, it works. works. <laughs> so, I mean, there's your lesson right there. And then the other thing is that their ground game, it was really hard to evaluate how good or bad they were last year because of all the blowouts. Yeah. So in the second half, of all these games, you know, Teams are just running in the line because they're just trying to run the clock and get out of there because they're up by 40 points. And I went back and I looked at football outsiders. They have defensive line mm-hmm. stats. They were terrible in line yards allowed. They were terrible in standard line yards allowed. They were terrible at stuff rate. They were terrible at power success rate. Every particular drill down stat except like opportunity rate was like 90th or worse. And again, all these guys are back. And that might be a good thing. You thought you saw like meaningful improvement from their tackles. Well, so last year was interesting because I really didn't like the tackles, and I was kind of like Michigan should run over these guys in the Maryland game, and then like they didn't. Um, and then I remember that was, that was a weird game. Yeah, though. it was like mm-hmm. Michigan can't really run on Maryland. They could do all the other stuff, and we were all kind of like, well, that doesn't bode well for Ohio State. And then. <laughs> it, 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 it was fine. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but no, I thought they did better against SMU. What was interesting about the game is that SMU's spreading the field out. I mean, there were plays where it would be four down linemen and one linebacker in the box, and everybody else is way out there. And, like, they still couldn't run it. SMU couldn't on Maryland. So I, I don't know what to make of that, whether that's an SMU I mean, problem. Both those tackles are big. So, I mean, that's they, what, they'll they, stay at the line. They have a 310-pound guy, a 320-pound guy, and then they're jack. Mm-hmm. which is just an anchor, is 295. So they're not going to get a whole lot of pass rush from them. And you caught them dropping eight in coverage 40% of the time. <laughs> it was pretty astonishing for a big chunk of this game. That has to be an SMU, though. Thing, no. Right? I, like, mean, I, that... think, I think they're just like, oh, God, we're so boned in the secondary. Maybe we can do this and it'll screw I mean, that's up. obviously why they went to zone because, like, they just can't – they were a cover one team. So they were transitioning this year – to cover two when they did like none of that and they got a new defensive coordinator because I think the last guy just was like nope out <laughs> um, and like yeah and there's a bunch of uh, they, they return the corners and they're not even playing the starter from last year uh, still so like all the other like there's like eight cornerbacks that they're rotating through which is not a good sign usually so I mean we're gonna see this they're gonna I mean against JJ a, a dropping eight into his zone might be one of their better paths forward because it's like okay he's not going to scramble for a bunch of yards and he's going to have to make decisions and fit into tight spaces i think we'll be able to do that 
but it'll be more difficult. For yeah, him. and it would be more difficult if they would cover any of the guys. Yeah. Uh, because <laughs> the idea, so you drop it into coverage, you're I only love, rushing. I love it when I'm, I'm reading your FFFF, so it's clearly like, oh, Alex is just losing his patience <laughs> with these people. Uh, like, I love it more because I did this for years, and I'm like, yes, someone else is going through this like, now. So the first three weeks were bad enough, and then you have this this uh, play of theirs where it's like third and six or whatever, and they drop eight, and they drop them all like behind the that sticks. That happened many times. <laughs> they, they'd be like playing prevent defense on third and four in the middle of the first quarter, and you're just like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. Well, there's another play you showed. You sent me another one where you're like, what's the, what's the coverage on this? And they've got a tight end running like wide open down the middle, and there's no safety on either side. Like they're both oh, that outside was, of the scene. That was a good. That was a good job by Mordecai of moving that safety with his eyes. And Devin Gardner did the color on this game, and mm-hmm. so he he called that out too. And given what we've seen from JJ McCarthy so far this year, mm-hmm. I think that's going to be on the table. So you know, posts to guys who shouldn't be open, or I think we're going to see at least a couple. So. <clears throat> yeah, there were a lot of problems down the seam in this game, especially a lot of problems when it was targeting the, the linebackers in coverage, stuff like that. Um, it's going to be an interesting game for JJ because I don't think there should be a ton of pass rush unless they decide to dial up more blitzes, which they did at the end of the SMU game more. Um, but it'll be a chance for him to scan the field, look defenders off, find the open guy in the zone, and then you know make a quick, decisive throw. And then when it comes to the ground game, uh, I think two things kind of leap out. They do have a big front four, but their linebacker level is very small and very young. Yeah, the linebackers were the weakness of the defense last year. and I, You despised them. Yeah, they were really <laughs> bad last year. And then... <laughs> so they went and got this uh, Jay Sean uh, Barham from St. Francis. Yep. He was like the the one local blue chipper they get every year. Just outside the top 100. Yep. Stick him straight in the starting lineup. Stick him straight in the starting lineup. And for a true freshman linebacker, looked fine to me. Yeah. And he's clearly better than all those other guys. Um, right, and so that's the problem. So they're a four-two-five as a base, and they're running out another true freshman as their nickel, yep. who's 175 pounds. And their options to go bigger than the four-two-five are all the linebackers you despise or like a backup linemen who you think aren't very good either yeah and they um the other linebacker spot is being started by ruben hippolyte the second uh all these linebackers also, they have, have great names <laughs> they have great names. they have great they can't play football but by god <laughs> did their parents do a good job of naming them henry chuweze and so gote yeah so hippolyte is he's the starter and he only played nine snaps against smu before having a finger situation okay uh, so he exited the game they replaced him with ahmad mccullough who is definitely a downgrade that's supposedly a game time decision so that could could matter a little bit but either one this is going to be a chance for michigan to target the linebackers again just like they did last right so two tight end packages might be hard for maryland to keep up with and then if they start tweaking what they've shown in the first two games i think you're going to see true freshman in the wrong gap probably yeah yeah so I, i think my impression from this game is michigan's going to go up up and down the field on them they need to convert touchdowns, and then they need to get some pressure on Tungavailoa, and then they should 
Meet that stay, stay on your guy. Just don't break down in the secondary because right. you're going to be like six minutes. Six and conversely plays. for Michigan receivers, when they're rushing three and J.J. breaks the pocket, do something! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a game, again, like the what you talked about, the penalties. I mean, this is a game where you can just throw it up and hope they get handsy because they, they do that a lot. Um, this is penalties strike at the worst moments for Maryland. They find ways to shoot themselves in the foot. I mean, it's just not a super well-coached team in general when and you watch should, them. We should mention that Michigan did, I think they blocked a punt last year, mm-hmm. and they had the throwback touchdown off the pop-up. Yeah. Now, they did import a pretty and good in, kicker from EMU. And in 2019, they ran a kickback for a touchdown and right. also I did a fake punt, I think, in that game, too. So and they, they love they, to just screw How do you with remember Maryland. Maryland games so well? They I, just love to screw Maryland with Maryland. Maryland games just, like, <laughs> pop out of my brain, like, the second they happen. It's like, easily have... the most anonymous <laughs> team in the Harbaugh era it's that just, Michigan it's plays. Just, it's just so funny that you're like, oh, yeah, what did that insane thing happen against? Oh, yeah, Maryland. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other storyline here is that the Josh Gaddis-Mike Loxley blood feud is, is over. Is over, yeah. so... <laughs> So Mike, the Mike Loxley versus his own team blood feud so the, continues along. The, so. thing, the thing that I'm concerned about is that what if we put so much effort into preparing a game plan for Maryland because of the blood feud, and now that's all out the window, and they have us dead to rights? It could happen. I, Seth doesn't think uh, it could happen. The, the one thing that's been consistent about Maryland in the Harbaugh era is they've never played a competitive game against Michigan. Yeah, there was that. Every game is like a comfortable three to four touchdown well, I, victory. Well, there was one that was just like a slog until all of a sudden Michigan found a way to get Ty Isaac down the sideline for a bunch of yards, and it's then probably twenty seventeen. No, and, we like don't, and we don't know what the 15. status of Donovan Edwards is for this We game. don't. He's supposed to be back. Yeah. And this is important because <laughs> I would like to see Donovan Edwards continue dunking on Maryland. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, that is going to be a big difference in this game is that last year quorum was out edwards got three carries so now it's gonna be quorum and edwards you know michigan did not actually run the ball as you mentioned because uh hassan haskins had a long of 12 yards so this is going to be a much more explosive backfield for maryland to deal with yeah and i mean i would not be surprised if if edwards doesn't play then you see aj henning in some of those roles all right scores uh, 42 27. <laughs> <laughs> registering that. Uh, <laughs> is that just your default score for all projections? I like that. Yes. Keep doing that. <laughs> uh, 48 24. Uh, I think I said 44 25. Something. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, people in the comments were talking about what that score sums up. To right. Them. That's, they do that every time. <laughs> They're just like, how do we do this? And the answer is, are we playing Iowa? It's 21 safeties. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break and talk with the Sklar Brothers. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. 
Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, trying to collect sizes and payments for a family reunion, or, you know, ordering a whole bunch of shirts with your Kickstarter, Underground Printing is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with their easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing people down to pay, wasting time trying to sort out the order. They'll set it up. You can just sit back and relax. They'll even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit them at any of their convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirt.com. At Peak Wealth, we believe we can help you retire with confidence. It's Nick Hopwood, Certified Financial Planner from Peak Wealth Management in Plymouth. I graduated from Michigan in 2001 with an econ degree and founded Peak Wealth Management in 2014. Now we have over $240 million of assets under management. As a freshman in 97, winning the national championship in football and hockey didn't get any better than that. Both my wife and I lived in Bursley that year, and it's crazy because we never actually met while living in the same dorm. Probably because she had a car and I had to ride the bus. But we named our dog Bursley anyway, and he's on the payroll here at Peak Wealth Management. At Peak, we're fee-based. We're your fiduciary, which means everything we recommend is always in your best interest. We partner with leading institutional money managers, focus on low fees, and make sure every client has a financial plan covering retirement, college, tax, estate, insurance, and cash flow. Simply put, we are Peak Wealth Management, your comprehensive financial coach. Book your second opinion at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. If you want to see where our post-game podcast happens, or if you need a spot to land in Ann Arbor, check out 4M, Prentice Partners' beautiful brand-new flagship property at 830 Henry Street in Lower Burns Park and across the bridge from the big house. Their 11 spacious six-bedroom, six-bath suites feature state-of-the-art digital capabilities and are laid out for comfortable, efficient collaboration. You can also rent a 4M unit for shorter stays, say if you want to come to town for a football weekend. I want to add myself that they're also taking over Lucky's. We're really excited about their plans for that space. So if you're by the stadium, swing by 830 Henry or visit Prentice4M.com. One and two and... If you find yourself on the wrong side of the law, you want a Michigan man in the huddle. Call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul at 248-924-9458 or visit his website at michiganlawgrad.com. John is a proud graduate of the University of Michigan Ross School of Business and Michigan Law School. He looks forward to showing you the Michigan difference. Welcome back to Emgar Radio 8.3. I think you're right. Oh, my God. Oh, my. Yeah. Did, <laughs> did you just guess that? No. <laughs> I, I knew it. Uh, we completely forgot to talk about the sponsors. We're again going to say that that's because they shouldn't be polluted by proximity to Maryland. Thank you to Underground Printing for making this all possible. UGP makes custom apparel such as T-shirts and sweatshirts and was founded by two Michigan alums over 20 years ago. They have three retail locations in Ann Arbor and offer thousands of University of Michigan athletic products for sale, ranging from clothing to accessories and memorabilia. Check them out at UGPMichiganApparel.com or check out our selection of shirts on the MGO blog store. We'd also like to thank our associate sponsors, Peak Wealth Management, Homeshare Lending, Ann Arbor Elder Law, Michigan Law Grad, Human Element, the Phil Klein Insurance Group, Venue by 4M, and we are recording this at Underground Printing. Hello, Sklars. Hello. Hello. How, How are, are you? you? How's everybody? We're, We're good. Great. 
Happy so to be back in Ann Arbor. And you're, you have a show tonight at 8. One show tonight at 7.30. I love he gets everything right except for that, right? 7.30, right? Wait, tonight 7.30? Yes. I believe tonight seven thirty, and then <laughs> afterwards there is the uh, Q and A that we're right. going to do yeah. with uh, you guys on stage, and we'll talk, and you guys will talk and answer questions. It's so much fun. And you have seven thirty and nine thirty shows tomorrow. Seven thirty and nine thirty tomorrow night, and those will be really fun too. I want to sell them all out. We got the early shows in, like the for the one show tonight and the early show tomorrow night are doing really well. And there's some tickets left in the late show, but the, it can always fill up. And uh, in a good feeling. We just beat Maryland weekend. Yeah, hopefully. Home, hopefully. Homecoming. Everyone, we're, we're, I hope. Yeah. We were just at Schembechler Hall today, and it was uh, very uh, – people were like – I think – Yeah, I think they're taking – they're taking this as seriously as they need to take it. Like it was a very business-like atmosphere, yet loose and fun too. Yeah, they were – Okay. Yeah, like – First of all, I saw Donovan Edwards bounce in there. He he literally bounced in. Now I don't know. That's what that's that means. like insider information right there. Yeah, he, looked good. he looked good. He looked happy. He was in a good mood. He wasn't limping. That's a good thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. He just seemed very. He seemed happy and upbeat. We saw Denard. We met Denard. He could not have been cooler. Like so nice. First of all, and then, it's like you want to play sevens, sevens and, we're and we're like, what's that? that? Like, He's like, meet us down, down on the basketball court. So my son. Randy and I got to play a shooting basketball game with Denard, who you you hang with him for 10 minutes, and you're like, oh, yeah, he's the most magnetic person in the world. Yeah. Just amazing, and we're like, remember when you went to a basketball game? He's like, I went to hockey games. We're like, we forgot. He's like, because it's fun. I used to go to games because I was a student, and I liked going to games. He's not wrong. I mean, like. But, but. Don't you want someone like that recruiting for you? And and I feel like I don't know if he ever did anything like that, but he'll pick up what he has to do down the line. I'm like, that's a great yeah. representative for who should be out there representing the M. Well, he was like a, I don't know what exactly his role was at Jacksonville, but he was so he had a little bit of like time he's running backs coach officially. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, but like he's just the guy who needs to like stay and right do that job forever well everyone loves him I mean, everyone loves him in there which is great so you walk around and hang out with him and then we were on the court there's like a little basketball court up above the weight room it's very small but the, the regular hoop and you know they shoot the ball in there and mimi came up you know mimi uh, morris oh okay. right yeah <laughs> so she came in just as like i heard like, you don't you do not want to play me and so jay's son who's in eighth grade was like i'll play her and we're like oh no oh no she worked she no no but first of all he got two points on her which was me she has the most un- i mean d1 played for boston college and this georgetown or whatever she has the most unbelievable stroke ever. It was just stroking so threes so easy. And, you know, what, I, what we saw in that moment was how much everybody respects her. It's like one thing to say, we need diversity in terms of making right. sure there's a female coach on our staff. It's she, like she walked in and they're like, oh, 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 oh they no. like gave her the requisite amount of grief that you give, <clears throat> like everybody gives each other. Mm-hmm. And she was... I, just so respected and it was just great it was, it was really cool to see and of course she could like whoop everyone's butt yeah. on the basketball court <laughs> I, I enjoy the uh, 
shots of her that they occasionally when she's looking really mad and right. It's like she looks like Tom Landry, (laughs) (laughs) a hatless Tom. But they're probably not allowed to grab someone's like face mask and like talk to them in their face. She can, so you know, (laughs) she gets to do that. She can slap people. Woody Hayes. She can punch a Clemson (laughs) player in the throat. Oh, that's too much. No, don't do that. She can rattle cage, but she's she's great. And and again, you think. People respect her. People respect what she has to say, and it's—I don't know—that cool. was really cool. And we saw Mike Hart, and I mean, we're, we're like CJ Stokes, Stokes doing, doing it. He's, he's like, he's like, great. And he's like, he'll be good. He'll be he'll good. Be good. <laughs> he like does not give it up at all. I'm like, he's doing great. He's like, he could get there. I love that Mike doesn't give it up. <laughs> and I'm like, that's the closest CJ Stokes is ever going to get to a compliment from Mike Hart. He could get there. Well, it's Mike Hart. Like, you I know. know. He's like, that's okay, right. have you dragged seven Penn State defenders for eight Thank yards? You. No. I mean, but. What I love about that is, like, if you ever do earn praise from the guy, it's 100% earned. And I think – and then he said, said, very honestly, honestly, we got got good kids on this team. Yeah. Took a a moment moment to tell us that that these are good kids. He's like, everybody's got – you got a couple guys who are knuckleheads, but he's like, this specific group of guys on this team – they're great kids. And I think that that means something in the when you're trying to go beyond where we've been before. Yeah. I think that means something, you know, as you move forward. It seems like a pretty united locker room. That's that's the vibe even out of these three games. Yeah, and so they 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 break through and they they win the Big 10 last year and like then they get that Georgia reality check. Oh yeah. And I think that that really helps in terms of like not resting on your laurels. You're like we got another right. level that we need to go to if we're actually going to do this. And, and, and I think seeing this year that Georgia is still head and shoulders above everyone else, but the rest of the field does not feel unbeatable. No. So in this moment, even after three games and things can change, Michigan is saying to itself, all right, we got a shot. We got a shot. Let's stay focused and in this bin if we no, can. No trips. Like, there's no, yeah. But it doesn't, you're not looking at a mountain that for many years we looked at beginning right. of the season. So like, well, no we're not going to, we'll, let's try and win nine. I mean, that was really what. <laughs> or we're sure. definitely going to lose in Columbus or we're definitely going to lose in November. Like, those Nothing's definite. You could trip up, of course, absolutely. But no, nothing is like this is a definite. And I don't think these guys feel that way. At all, it's cool. I mean, I I have to say, I'm I'm I have a different opinion about the cupcake schedule because we're going to get and this is what Mike Hart was okay. saying too. We're going to get tested this week as far as the defense is going to get tested because yeah. you're playing the best offense next to Ohio State in the Big Ten. In and my he's opinion, like, then we play the best defense, defense next, right? Week. So he's like, we're going to get tested before we then have to play a complete team in Penn State. We're going to get tested before that. It, who cares if we didn't get tested in these earlier games? To me, what you had is this whole thing was like a big team building weekend. That's what these first three <laughs> games were, you know, because a lot of trust falls right. It's just high courses, just a lot of you know, everybody do yell yell sessions, if you will. But I, to me, they played perfectly the offense in in the first half and just dominated to the point where. You empty the bench and get 104 guys to go play. And who are those guys who are playing? Those are the guys on your practice squads who are helping you get ready for Talia. Those are the guys who – and they're going to fight even harder for you and 
so it, it helps the team's chemistry that you are able the, – the starters did their job so that the other guys could get in and play, mm-hmm. and you gave them that experience that they may not get for the rest of the year because you're playing good talent. Yeah, and the team, to I me, mean, is a more of a cohesive team. Alex is on your side, too. He's, so, he, he wants them playing like just cupcakes all the way to Ohio State. My thing is, is that I think – if it comes down to a couple of 11-1 and one teams at the end of the year. That's a great point. Like, Michigan's schedule is probably going to be a tiebreaker for the other team. So, like, let's say they do lose in Columbus, but they're 11-1. and one. Right. And so Ohio State's in, Alabama's in, Georgia's in. Then you got to hope there isn't a one-loss Pac-12 team. There isn't a one-loss I could see Alabama ACC losing two team. games this year. Sure. But... I think there are a lot of scenarios where Michigan's non-conference schedule is disqualifying relative to some other team that I took on you, some more. I think you could be right in Oklahoma and maybe a USC. But beyond that, I just, I mean, Clemson doesn't feel like Clemson. This year. That's true, but... And Notre Dame doesn't feel like... Well, Notre Dame's already out. And Cincinnati is not Cincinnati of last year. So all these teams that were kind of hovering around four through eight, four through nine, are not the invincible teams that they were. No, but it's going to be a real hard sell for Michigan to be number four, I think. I, I mean, they, they're number four. I mean, right now, they're number four. It's just no, but like... One, two, and three are like... Obvious, unless one of those teams trip well, up. I'm just, I'm just saying, yeah. it's like once you get down to the, and they're going to have an extra game because they're going to have a That's conference right. championship game. Maybe they go down, and Michigan is 11 and one, and there isn't another one loss team to pick from. It's, I, I don't know. And also, so then we go to the Rose Bowl. I don't, I don't even. I don't think that much. It, I'll it come because, stay with you guys. But exactly. But it, it, it <laughs> I think it comes out to the how you lose if you if you lose in Columbus. Yeah. How close that is. That's true. What that game looks like. If it's 2016, I think you have you make a case for getting them in. I mean, the, the other thing is, is like if it is Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State, like. How, I mean, if you have a playoff and it's just Big Ten teams and just SEC teams. Well, like, so, but they're moving to a 12 team playoff, yeah. which to me is great, which will be the nail in the coffin of the four. Like, they're yeah. happy to <laughs> yeah. say, like, look what we're doing to fix this. Like, the NCAA wants to pat themselves on the back any way they can. So they'll say, look what we did. Look what we just did. We're look giving you, look at how bad it got. So we're going to make it 12 teams, which I think is way better. And, you know, hopefully that'll happen sooner rather than later. All right, we're going to take a break. Come back with more Sklar Brothers. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president at Peak Wealth Management. We have a lot in common. We both went to Michigan. We're both huge fans, but I'm concerned about how much time you're spending on Michigan football recruiting. This could be time spent with me pouring over your cash flow and Roth conversion strategy. How are these Roth conversions going to get done with you spending all your time and energy on MGO Blog looking at the next five-star recruits? Hey, all kidding aside, if you're addicted to MGO Blog and you want to outsource some of your financial planning to an expert, consider us, peakwm.com slash Blog. At Peak, we work with people in a variety of situations. Some of our clients are young professionals looking to optimize their savings and investments. For young people, time is the key. Some of our clients are super affluent trying to figure out when they can retire. Some are high net worth retirees looking for a second opinion on how their money's working for them. Get your second opinion at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. 
UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. It can be a rough ride along the information superhighway. That's why we build our e-commerce websites tough enough to handle the load. With the capacity to take hundreds of simultaneous online transactions and the stability of load-balanced, co-located server architectures, a website from Human Element performs in the roughest conditions. Thousands of products? No problem. We'll throw in the tools to manage them with precision and efficiency. All with a design slick enough to make you think your girlfriend might be impressed. So load it up and hit the gas and let Human Element show you the way. Special offers available for returning lessees. Financing available with approved credit to qualified buyers. Client participation may affect savings. Optional equipment available at additional cost. See human-element.com for details. In southeastern Michigan, the yearly cost for a nursing home averages approximately 100000 It doesn't have to, though. Reed McCarthy founded Ann Arbor Elder Law after handling a tricky situation for his own family. Years of experience later, his boutique firm works with clients across southeast Michigan dealing with Medicaid planning, long-term care, and tax, disability, and family law, not to mention family dynamics. If you have a family member who may need that level of care, or if you're ready to start your own estate plan, Reed can give you a plan for the future. Visit AnnArborElderLaw.com or call 734-945-9693. That's 734-945-9693. Welcome back to MGO Podcast 8.3. We're here with the Sklar Brothers. We have a show at 7.30, so if you aren't doing anything tonight, Come get out down. to the Arbor Comedy Showcase. It's going to be a great show, and I love that club, by the way. It's so much fun, and we you know, we did a lot to help save that club. Yeah. You helped yes. us out. You yeah. guys really helped us. Every time I walk in there, they, they're like, oh, you're the guy. <laughs> they're so grateful. You know, during the pandemic, it was really hard for everybody. Uh, some places did better than others. You know, Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase is kind of locked in granite from 1988. It's yeah. like the same ownership. And I love Roger Feeney is just the best. His daughter, Claudia, is fantastic, too. They're just great people who we love and have loved for a long time. But the pandemic hit them particularly hard. So when it, they needed money just to keep the doors open, we did this little fundraiser roast of John U. Bacon, which you guys helped yeah, out. So fun. We got Jeff Ross to do a yeah. little something. My, my Twitter profile still says, once roasted Jeff Ross. Oh, my God. <laughs> so great. And uh, we called upon people to do it, and we raised enough money for them to keep the lights on for like two months, which got them through to a certain... It was just it, – it was magical, and they're so happy. And so now we get to come back and, you know, headline the club, which is just such a treat for us. And then, of course, do it on a football weekend. We didn't come Not a coincidence. No, we – you know, this is – they ask us, when do you want to come back? We're like, in the no, fall. No, so, you know, we were supposed to come originally a Hawaii weekend. Right. And that was a night game. And they made it a yeah. night game. Because you need to play Hawaii at night. I that mean, was important. I mean <laughs> – that was that day was really hot, so I was okay with that. You're so okay. It was good, it, but it would have cut right into our show. Yeah. So Speaking of cut, cut worms, the band. Yeah. That played that 
did most of this music, I think he used all Cutworms tracks that you've been listening to, uh, is a fantastic band. You should definitely check them out and check him out. Max is the guy's name. Really good. It kind of sounds like Everly Brothers with a, sort of a newer country twinge to it. Yeah. The guy's amazing. <laughs> and he's going to be performing live. If you guys, Whoever's listening, if you're in New York, we're going to do our podcast, Dumb People Town, live at the Bell House in Brooklyn on Sunday, October 16th and with... Roy Wood Jr. from The Daily Show, Andrew Dismukes from SNL as a guest, and then this guy Max from Cutworms is going to be playing music Hopefully live. Hopefully one day after a big Penn State win. Yes, that would I, be uh, fantastic. I have good news about Michigan fans and New York. Okay. <laughs> There's a couple. There's a few. We've got a few there. So come on out to that show on October 16th at the Bell House. But if you're in Ann Arbor now, come tonight. It's going to be so much fun. And then afterwards, we're going to do this Q&A with you guys. We're going to get some pizza, yeah. order some drinks. Yeah. The drink menu is online, by the way, if you want to check it out. They got like a, a – not just like a couple things on there. No, they're so great. great. They're yeah. great. And it's it, – what's cool about, about this is, is you guys, you guys have such a great audience. We know because we've interacted with your fans on Twitter and online, and they've supported us in a great way. To combine, to combine that, that with comedy, comedy to, me to me is something that's that's, that's, that's what's special. special you go for the smarter stuff, and yeah, you know people. That's who your audience is. So for yeah. us, it's great. This is the only fan base in the world that could support a blog that's like, "Would you like ten thousand words about half a football game?" <laughs> <laughs> True that. Yeah, they yeah. love it. I mean, we are part of that audience, so I would say we love it. You as know, as consumers of. The blog and consumers of the podcast, we completely get why you know, people love it. And for years, we had it was the thing that got me through the horrible losses that happened. <laughs> I was like, I need to read what these guys are saying because a, I either need to confirm that it's in my brain all right. this dark stuff that's swirling around, or you're going to help me get to another place. And the blog always did that. Always, the podcast do, and the blog always did that. This year, we're kind of in uncharted waters a little bit. We'll see what happens. Let's let's not jump the gun here, but like. I have a lot of hope for this team. I actually really. Yeah, you guys it, seem way more chill. Than I, here's sure. the thing. I, I actually. What, I, what is this feeling of calm? Because you guys just went on a recruiting tour. Is what happened? You I actually. Like, no, Denard did it to us. No. <laughs> you, Scott, you spent some time with Denard Robinson. <laughs> yeah. You been recruited. We've been Denarded. Yeah. We've been Denarded. This is, this is the Michigan. The, the, you know, like, like, we're gonna write up it on two four seven afterwards. Like so they you know had how, to visit. You know how your dog gets neutered and basically he got denuded. We got and he's just happy but doesn't know why we got. Denarded. We're happy and we don't know why. But I, I don't know. I don't if know. You should be implying that if you see Denard Robinson, he, he will your balls take your off. balls off. Well, we did, <laughs> well, we did ask Denard. There is an Iowa safety out there <laughs> yeah. who, who is, who is ballless, ballless in Iowa City. Uh, that we did ask Denard if he is faster than or was faster than Nicholas Harbor, who will be here this weekend in his highest moment. And he said, same, same track time. time. Same track. Denard very calmly said we had the same track down. 10.28. The difference is Nichols Harbor is six foot five and like 260 pounds. He's 230. I mean, that kid's kid's still big. You got to get him. You got to get him here. I don't know. I just like this team. You know, I just, I, I actually truly, truly like this team. You know how like there are moments when 
you know, guys are getting played. And you're like, why is this guy getting – it's where you don't understand it. It's like there's a record store nearby me. We're and not they, allowed to say these things out so, loud. But we are. We, I'm saying that there is like a record store nearby me and they don't have it alphabetized. And I'm like, what is the order? How are you arranging this stuff? Why are you arranging this stuff this way? This is a stupid way to arrange it. Okay, there are moments when you see people playing. You're like, this is – why is this person yes. above it? This is stupid. Why are we doing this? And it's like this is something that I as a layperson can't see. I don't feel that way about this team. I don't feel that way about these guys. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm weirdly hopeful. Look, they could go down by 30 points tomorrow, and then we'll be like, I never want to watch this team again. Yeah. But, yeah. Or, or they come back and have just a crazy – I don't know. I, I can't wait to see them go full, like, J.J. the entire game. Let's see what he does. Let's Full throttle, throttle, running, running stretch, stretch plays, plays, running all. Yeah, you guys were talking play, about the linebackers in the and the line of Maryland, and we may not be able to run. We'll just bubble screen them to death, like literally throw it out on the edges and just see what happens. It's like a run. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing where just the threat of it starts yeah. putting stuff up on the interior, where it's just right. like you're able to stretch the field horizontally, and then. We've seen J.J. go deep a lot, so to have, have, you have to cover all of the field when J.J. is the quarterback. Yeah, and then you also can't bring your edges screaming upfield either because, you know, if he breaks the pocket, he could, you know, they have to treat – they don't give him the Dinar treatment, but, like, that's we, – we showed that a couple of weeks ago against Hawaii where, like, they're sitting down at the line of scrimmage, and then that opens up all sorts of things for Michigan. Yeah, I, ca- I kind of feel like teams are going to have to start abandoning that. And just blitz him? <clears throat> yeah, because – I mean, if you give him time in the pocket and if you – I mean, the things that we've seen where Michigan kind of breaks down is like Trent a. Jones gets beaten around the corner. Mm-hmm. These are usually happening to poor damn Cade McNamara these days. But mm-hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, what you're seeing is uh, you're seeing teams just play too soft and mm-hmm. just like – they're like, J.J., we're gonna, you're going to have to make it. You're going to have to throw under. Yeah, we're going to make you beat yeah. us. And then he's like, okay. 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 Yeah, <laughs> all right. Sure. Well, I mean, Hawaii actually, like, they came down on the – they were playing cover one, that, that one long pass to Cornelius Johnson. And that safety still came down when he looked at him. Yeah. So, like, they just need to tra- start training their guys not to, like, meet JJ's eyes. Cause <laughs> but also, we, have <laughs> time, we also haven't had a guy who evolves in this role as quarterback. We haven't had a guy who we could say – Let's put this on his shoulders a little bit. It's like our basketball team before we had a Trey Burke. So before you had Trey Burke, you're just like, all right, I hope everyone does their roles, and we run our pick and roll with Darius Miles or Darius Morris. Darius Morris, and they do a little bit here, and we get to the Sweet 16. Everybody know your role. But then we had this player, Trey Burke, who it's like, okay, this transcends the moment. This is the guy who hits three shots that need to be hit in order to come back from down 10 against Kansas. Things like that, we haven't had a player that's transcended the, the position at, at quarterback in my in the last 15 years at least. I mean, had I Denard made Denard, yeah. Well, Denard in what he did, correct. But occasionally Gardner, he, he like once occasionally, a while, yeah, before a he got deleted by Michigan State's like there that oh. he just had no pass protection that whole year, no yeah. protection. Yeah. So now we kind of have the pieces in place in front of this guy and a chance for a guy to develop and get better. And we don't know what the ceiling is of this for this guy yet. I feel like when Cade was in, we all kind of had an awareness of what the ceiling was and just hope he plays near the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Hope he's a balloon that your kid got from a restaurant and then released in their bedroom and just hope it stays near the ceiling for a few days. 
now we've got we don't know what the ceiling is and that's exciting for a fan base yeah, I mean, we've been talking about this. Like, the how did Clemson end up one of the big three? Yeah, two, because, two good quarterbacks. Yeah, exactly. That's it. It. Yeah, back everybody back. else they were recruiting at the same level as Michigan. They they were playing basically the same level as Michigan. Sometimes they'd have a good defense. Sometimes, but like, they had quarterbacks who could just go out and sling the ball against anybody. So, and to to make the schedule argument, and I'm gonna, and I know Alex Drain will back me up on this. Uh, who did Clemson play during the regular season? They had nobody. They're playing nobody in the regular season. <laughs> he's then over they, there smiling. He's, he's smiling. Phone, he's then they get they yet. get into the the postseason, the playoffs, and then they they're you know everyone's like, well, they're not tested because the ACC is terrible, and then they walk in and, and win the one game, and then yeah. pull a couple of crazy upsets. But you know, so maybe I don't I don't miss I don't miss like rooting for FSU to like upset them every year. That was just wrong. Or North Carolina State, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Louisville. Or you're like, come on. Once in a while, Pitt would do it. That would be. Fun, like, yeah. that yeah. would be fun. Then you're uh, then, then Pitt got really sad and angry. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's not according to uh, not according to um, Desmond Howard. <laughs> that's enough ACC talk for the next decade. I think <laughs> uh, this has been ACC Brothers. Thank you for watching. It, this is Maryland week, so this is Maryland week. It's good to give a nod to where they used to be. So. Last year, you guys came out, and you guys hadn't done a stand-up show basically since COVID. It was our first weekend of doing stand-up shows out in the wild, so to speak. And it was eye-opening for us. Like, you know, we kind of knew what our set was, but we knew what our set was if we were doing it on Zoom. You know what I mean? It's just a little different than when you're doing it in front of an audience. And I remember we got off stage the first set of that weekend and we were like, all right. And they're like, you did 41 minutes. And we were like, wait, what? <laughs> oh, that's too short. <laughs> that's way too short. And it took us a while. I mean, we kind of had to stretch out a little bit more. And, and I don't think we even hit it. And we even in the next time, the next uh, you know city we Trip. went to, like three weeks later, we were having a hard time getting back because we had jettisoned a lot of material that we were doing before the pandemic. And we just had shortened it down to what the set was. And by the way, no one is going to, unless you do like 20 minutes, no one is going, if you're 42, mm-hmm. no one's going to be like, you didn't do 45. Right. <laughs> Nobody's going to 50. Really, for us, the sweet set spot you know, watching us do comedy is like listening to a podcast at 1.5 speed. <laughs> you know, you get like one and I only tolerate about 50. Right. You can't listen to a 1.5 podcast yeah. for two hours straight. Right. Okay. The reason you're listening to it is because you want to get it a little. So we realize there's a point of diminishing returns of what we do. And it comes at about 52, 53 minutes. But that is the 50 minutes is really the sweet spot for us. So we were in Phoenix or we were in Tempe. We were in Tempe at the Tempe Improv. And we were, we said, we got to write. We got to write more stuff. And in there, this is something we, we hardly ever do. We literally, that weekend, we said, we're going to write five minutes of material. And we did. And that five minutes has now sort of expanded a little bit further. And that kind of got us, over the course of the next period of time, it got us to where we wanted to be. So do you notice any difference between audiences, like post-pandemic and pre-pandemic? I think, I think there was a pure joy just that the shows were happening at the beginning. I think that has given way now to a return to some normalcy. I do think like the Will Smith stuff was insane. And I do think we are at a place in our country where people are like, I don't like this. And they're going to suddenly stand up and come at you. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there is a tiny little fear of that. Like, 
like someone broke that seal and now right. they know they can go in there and it's like, no, no, you're not supposed to do that. Just complain and get your money back in front if you don't like what we're doing. But I think the rest of the people are still very excited that acts from other cities are going on the road and coming to their cities. Yeah. And there is this feeling, and Randy and I have said this before, that when everyone in a room laughs at something together, there is a chemical reaction that happens. I mean, that's the it sports thing too, right? It is. Yeah. That is the sport. So, so when we have that moment, there are very few moments like that in our world, and we miss those for two years. And so to have yeah, so, that. So when Michigan scores a touchdown, you turn to the person next to you and you whatever, high five them. It's like, you don't know who that person is. I don't know that person's political views. I don't have no idea. And then boom, we were now connected over this. When you are in Miami and you walk out and you see that your car next to someone else's car is lit on fire because of a grill that's been left on, you're in the same boat. <laughs> you know, sports brings you together in that way. Like when you are upset that Brett Favre is siphoning money that should be going to better water in Mississippi, but he's uh-huh. doing it for his daughter's volleyball school, you're on the same team. No, that was a bad no, example because the right wing is supporting <laughs> what, him. I'm what, sorry. What about Brett Favre made anyone entrust money to that guy? Like, Well, his uh, – his, uh, uh, caretaking of the ball in football made him sound like a yeah. fine. He's really right. he's really right. scrambling now, guys. Ah. I mean, the thing about Brett Favre is he really, uh, you know, as it was made sort of with the Wrangler commercials that he liked playing football in jeans. I'm like, well, you can you should be able to play it in a jumpsuit soon. That would oh. be fantastic. Good luck if you like playing in things that aren't football pants. Here you go. Yeah, I knew something was up for him, and it was like, "Oh yeah, the copper makes my elbow better." Yeah, that's right. That's if he does. That's not to, true. Yeah, if, I, if he does go to jail, they really have to play like one of the what was the movie? They the, need to do a remake of like the, the longest, longest yard. yard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> longest yard three with like actual Brett Favre in jail would be great. Like, Brett Favre or just act- play the real game, like yeah. Hard Knocks. Brett Favre in jail, like Brett Favre. People really would watch knocks. that. Yes. <laughs> That would be great. And it's just basically you between the game footage is just him making phone calls to Jen Sturger. There you go. Oh. <laughs> there you go. Hey, you can't send one of those pictures through a jail phone. I'll tell you that. Oh, man. That's like a callback to the heyday of like dick pics on that's blogs. Right. That's right. That was yeah. it happened. Deadspin, Deadspin being like, oh, this guy fell off the wagon. That's newsworthy. <laughs> hey, we got to write something here. Exactly. Uh, all right, we got to get to the after UFR. Yeah, and you guys got to get to the show. Get ready. So we'll, we'll see, see you tonight, tonight see you or there. tomorrow night. Give me our guys. first, like I think that's our first MGO event too. Like the first time we've actually like invited people around us since COVID. Well, <laughs> there's a reason for that. You know? Yeah, <laughs> there was COVID. There was COVID. Uh, well, yeah. uh, but it's going to be a joyous see event. See these, these guys, guys tonight. They're wonderful, and we love them like brothers. Thank you guys for doing. Yeah, it. thanks for coming on, guys. Yeah, of course. All right. The only thing we can be sure of about the future is that it will be absolutely fantastic. I'm thinking of the incredible breakthrough made possible by developments in communications. Arthur C. Clarke's 1964 vision is now reality with SignalWire, a cloud platform that enables developers to build the applications that will reshape the future of communications. These things will make possible a world in which we can be in instant contact with each other wherever we may be. You can add cutting-edge, real-time video and audio to any product, website, or application with APIs and SDKs for developers of all skill sets. SignalWire is optimized for high... 
step of the way with our easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing down people to pay, or wasting time trying to sort out the order. We'll set it up, and you can just sit back and relax. We can even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit us at any of our convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. Hey, so I have, like, insurance and stuff, but I don't really, like, know what's going on with it. Yeah, you- it, your your coverage probably sucks, and you're paying way too much for it. And I know this because I had a guy, uh, he's a, uh, his name's Phil Klein. He's actually a Michigan alum and wrestled for Michigan. He okay. looked at my insurance and he was like, yeah, your coverage sucks and you're paying a lot more than you need to for it. I also like, I, I hesitate to even mention this, but I do have my insurance from a company that advertises during college football games. Well, and I wish that was not the case. Well, why don't you just get it from a cool guy who actually like reads them go blog? Well, how would I do that? They have a website? <laughs> they have one of those, too. It's philkleininsurance.com. Can you remember the name Phil Klein? Sure. Can you remember insurance? Yes. Okay. Use those two together, and you will save money on your insurance, and you will actually get better coverage on your home and your auto, and they do life, too. All right. So, you're telling me if I Google Phil Klein insurance, this, this website will come up. Yes. Wonders never cease. This is Matt Demrest, the owner of Homeshare Lending. We're a local mortgage company here to help you purchase with confidence and refinance with ease. People don't get mortgages very often, so it can be confusing. We'll break down every single line item so that it all makes sense. And at the end of the day, if we're not giving you the best deal, we'll tell you to go with the other company. We're here to offer our simple mortgage guidance. This is Seth Fisher from MGO Blog. Over the years, we've sent dozens of readers to use Homeshare Lending, and every review that's come back has been raving. I myself use them to refinance after doing our original loan through our bank. I was amazed how much smoother the process was for our complicated loan. Brian used them, you should use them too. Finding out whether it makes sense or not to refinance or getting pre-approved to buy a new home is easy. Head over to homesurelending.com, that's H-O-M-E-S-U-R-E, lending.com, slash mgoblog to find out more. Or call us at 734-531-9950. That's 734-531-9950. I've got two of my favorite people here with me, kind of an annual tradition, Cooper and Colby. Cooper, how old are you? 11. Colby, how about you? Nine. Can I get a Go Blue. Go Blue! NMLS number 1161358, Equal Housing Lender. Welcome back to MGO Radio 8.3. We're going to close the show out by taking one last look back at the UConn game. I know Alex is excited for this part. <laughs> uh, I mean, we did it. I had to, like, We, we ufr this thing, so we're going to talk about it. Uh, offensively, I, you know, there were a couple of plays on which J.J. McCarthy could have done something better. Okay. So, J.J. McCarthy is not literally the most perfect human ever put on this planet. Well, his... Downfield success rate is still 100%. So he's still the most perfect human being ever put on this planet. Well, Denard, but uh, <laughs> other than that. So there were a couple controversial plays that we kind of talked about early in the week, and I went over them in detail, and I still think that third and 14 sack was the right play, and people need to get open for him. Mm-hmm. And so there was the pull. That was wrong. We've talked about that. Um, there was the deep out to Bell that took him off his feet. Right. There's another out to Henning that took Henning off his feet. That's on Henning, I think. Okay. And uh, wow, that's about it. Yeah. I the you kept on referencing my comments in the podcast about how I want Hayes to cut up on that. Yeah. Thing. I but like, like, I mean, it's 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 plausible. The other thing I really wanted was just like you know. 
A.J. Henning can't just like run right into yeah. a linebacker. So this was a problem uh, with earlier running backs. Yeah. Where you know people describe running backs as a one-cut runner. Mm-hmm. That's completely viable. <laughs> right. Because you threaten somewhere and you cut, and, and then you're going to get yards. A no-cut runner is not. And yeah. on that play, Henning just runs as fast as possible directly at a linebacker. And they, I mean, it's, it's still a huge gap. So you can run into that gap. You just have to press it or well, something. He, like that or well, you got you got to gear down. You yeah. got to let your blocks develop. And if you threaten outside and that linebacker's like, oh, God, right. wall-friendly butts. And then A.J. Henning, I mean, he's faster and quicker than just about anybody on a football field. Right. If he cuts that, then he, I think he might be able to get by that linebacker, and then he might score a touchdown. Well, there's no one else. There's <laughs> always the but, linebacker or touchdown. But you can't tie Isaac it. Yeah. You can't just run in a straight line. <laughs> right. Especially if you're A.J. Henning. <laughs> like, if you're Osana Haskins or, like, you know, they, you can get away with that. Right. Yeah. But so, I mean, I think we've seen that from Donovan Edwards a little bit as a freshman, and, and it's, it's something that Mike Hart will coach out of you eventually. I think mm-hmm. we're going to see better from Edwards. But McCarthy's day honestly looked better on film than it did live because you are you can tell that the bubble screens are not being checked to the sideline. Right. He's making that decision himself, which is a much better way to go because the defense's favorite thing to do when you check is check. Yeah. And they UConn got him once where they had a, a blitz on from the safety spot, but Roman Wilson made that work. Yeah, yeah. So what is he, what is he supposed to do? Because like, this is actually an argument between Gardner and Borges, too, on Sam's uh, show. On that play? Yeah. Like, I mean, what, is, like, what is the check for that play? <laughs> well, on that play, the safety's at like 10 yards or something. So if they have that blitz on, on good luck to him. Because <laughs> the ball's going to get there fast enough that yeah. Wilson's going to be able to do something. And then if he does do something... You get a play. Right. And maybe a, a better, faster player is able to get Roman Wilson now, but maybe not. Because that guy was not squared up. Mm-hmm. You know, he's charging. Yeah. He's not, he hasn't come to a stop and forced the, the uh, offensive player to make a decision about where to go, and then he can track him down. He's tearing hell for leather at the ball. So maybe that ends up being an RPS minus one or something because mm-hmm. you get tackled at the line of scrimmage. So what? Right. Right. <laughs> right. We're going to live with that because yeah. the other bubble, bubble screens in this game average 20 yards an attempt. <laughs> and, and like, have we not been the fan base that's been like murdered by not throwing bubble screens? Like this would not be a thing. But, you know, just just seeing it happen. I'm. They're so obviously open. Like the yeah, they're so obviously playing, open. And you have a flex tight end who you can throw out there. And yeah. like he's going to kick a cornerback's ass every time yeah so i enjoyed that i enjoyed the yo-yo flat <laughs> from uh from bell which is uh, we're gonna try to track two things how many s's does matt weiss deserve in his last name are you just gonna add them every week or no no it's gonna, gonna like, be like the second s he deserves he, he, he like his baseline is two s's and right. then if it's a really bad game he goes down to one Ooh. and oh. then we're gonna see well, the problem with going down to one is you're associated with Charlie. That's Weiss. exactly that's, why. Yeah, <laughs> that's the whole premise. Can you go below Charlie Weiss? Can you just be like a why? Oh, <laughs> Josh why? Gaddis against Army was that. Oh, no, why? But that's what's going to take. Why? Um, and then we're going to track a block of the year, which we didn't have yeah. any candidates. The current leader is Olu against. Uh, Hawaii. Someone complained that we're not doing the Mr. Worldwide anymore. I'm like, this is so much better. Well, it's it's. I mean. It's fine. I, it was. It had its moment, and now it's. We don't need the Mister Worldwide. We don't anymore. need it. Anymore. We're, yeah. we're gonna do. We're gonna do this because nobody else 
can uh, accurately give out a block of the year award. Yes. So this is what we're yes. going to do. What did you see defensively that maybe people haven't realized? Jenkins. Jenkins. Yeah. Uh, he's, I mean, at this point, he's been showing it for multiple games. I'm happy to hear that because I put him third on the uh, right. known friends list, and I'm always like, oh, I hope that one's right. That one was right. <laughs> that one came out really well. I mean, the, no one played long enough. Like, everyone yeah. got, like the most anyone got was like 31 snaps or something, which is like half a game at most. So, Mozzie Smith, it's still like, okay, he comes in and has like a play every once in a while, and then like he just gets to take the rest of the game off. There's, yeah. there's nothing for him to do. But because you're doubling him, that means, uh, especially because they went under, uh, they went to two tight ends a whole bunch. So then we got to see a lot of the 5 2 this week, uh, or the 3 4, if you want to call it that, but it's 5 2, right? I mean, I mean Jalen Harrell sure. is kind of is more defensive end. Yeah. yeah. So. We got to see how that works and with what Graham looks like as a starter, basically. And it's working because you, you have to single one of those guys. You can, you'd afford to double two guys on the line. So if they want to double the edges, then, okay, you got Mike Morris taken care of. You got Jalen Harrell taken care of. Everyone else is singled. You can't do that. You have to double Mozzie. You have to double Graham. You have to double Jenkins. You're running out of guys that, you know, someone's going to get singled. This game... Jenkins got a lot of singles because for some reason UConn was like, we're just going to release to the second level and single block some of these defensive tackles. And so you notice my linebacker scoring is like almost nil because they, yeah. they don't get to do anything. I mean, they'll, they'll eat a block and then they'll get off the block. And by the time they're off the block, the play's over in the backfield already. So it was hard to judge it like that, but like it's happening because Jenkins can't be single blocked. And he's doing things where he's like, Recognizing the play and seeing where the seeing where it's coming from, mm-hmm. so it's not just his size, which is a thing too. He's handing up, standing up to doubles, so I think that's real. And, and that's yeah, big, generally when you get defensive tackles putting up points, even against mugs, mm-hmm. that sticks. Yeah, yeah, and I mean we we're waiting for the Mozzie Smith breakout, but like I like I still feel like it's there. Well, he just hasn't had the snaps. Yeah, he hasn't had the snaps, and like, okay, he's double teamed. His job right now is just like eat this double team while they run four gaps away from him. And like, yeah, you can't cut back because he got a plus one or a plus uh, point five. But like, that's I haven't been able to give him a big monster. He went for it once on like a third and six, and they just happened to like run the ball that play. Mm-hmm. It's like he actually ended up with a minus on that play. And it's like, oh come on, just want to get one of these out. All right, so. We talked a lot about how the results from the Colorado State game are maybe not particularly indicative given what their pass protection looks like. Yeah. I mean, what are you seeing from these edges? I, you so, only get a couple opportunities a game. Because, I know. Like, they did this, I mean, and that's, that says something, right? That like UConn looked at this and goes, well, we don't want to end up like Colorado State. We don't want to end up like... Yeah, so, I mean, the number of actual bona fide dropbacks in this game was like four. Right. And then on those... Braden McGregor got pressured twice and got held twice. They didn't call either one of them, but like that's still an event that matters to me, right? Well, sure. Sorry, Welcome lost. to the life. Yeah, he looks like Aiden Hutchinson now. He's getting treated like Aiden. Well, Hutchinson, and, but. and then part of it is like the there's two there's stages. Yeah, there's stages where you're not getting held. Yep, and then. You evolve into stage two, which is you're getting held. Right. And then you evolve into stage three, which is you're getting held and it doesn't matter. Right. Right. So he hasn't made like a sack while wearing a guy like a cape yet, but he's at the level where he's wearing a guy like a cape. And that's important because we've been like, where's this edge rush going to come from? 
Harold just doesn't have it. So Harold is like third in the country in pressure rate right now. I'm pro football focus. Yes, I don't. And know. that's not a grade. That's just a. I don't know what a, it, a number. I know, but I. I mean, they're obviously just like like rating like okay if he got pressure or not or like he got around his guy, but like I care if you I count how many yards around you are. Yeah, if you're around a ten and then pushed past, yeah, that's not that's not productive, a, right? So I mean, that's that happens to him. He's smaller. I mean, he's still linebacker sized. So there's just a, there's a clip I think where I just freeze framed it and you see McGregor coming in they're both trying to rush the edge because the defensive tackles are coming up so it's not one of those things where like we're, we're taking some heat for our uh, Jalen Harrell skepticism at this point well it's because the internet is wroth he's easy to love because everything else he does great right well but uh, and, yeah <laughs> I mean I'm not so, I'm not so hating Jalen Harrell you are a, a Harrell skeptic in terms of pass rush just pass rush just yes. pass rush okay. yeah yeah and then uh, you you're profusely apologizing to Junior Colson these days. Yes, well, because <laughs> he goes the right direction. Once in a while, once in a while he goes the wrong direction, but that happens to linebackers, yeah. right? Like line, every, especially our defense is linebacker hell because like the they everything goes on in front of you, and then you're supposed to make the defensive tackle right, whatever he does. So once in a while he like just gets got, but. He's going the right direction, and when he goes in there, he's sticking his nose in there and, like, making plays. And there's not a whole lot of opportunities to get pluses, especially from his spot. And seeing that, I mean, just compare him to Kalel Mullings, who's next to him, who's not there. Well, it's been Barrett a lot. Well, Barrett is Barrett's an interesting player because if the defensive line is going to play this way... I keep wanting this to happen, so I bring it up every, every yeah. week. I mean, this is another opportunity to see it because they were running the 5-2, so like they had all three tackles out at the same time. This time, UConn was just releasing guys, and Barrett was getting eaten when that happened, but it didn't matter because right. everything in front of him. But if you can keep him clean, and keeping him clean includes you know this, right? Like if they want a single block... Mozzie Smith. You just all said day. this. Go. What does that mean? The, what, what UConn did. They just want okay. a single. Yes. <laughs> you're, We're a you're visual podcast. There's our camera yes. right there. Okay. Most people are not going to be looking at our ugly mugs. It's <laughs> very true. Um, but, like, if you wanted to single block Jenkins and Smith and Graham, and they're going to hold up to that, fine. It doesn't matter if he's getting blocked on the second level. All right. If he's able to, like, survive that way, because, like, Man, if you don't have to get, if you don't, if you don't, he doesn't have to beat blocks, which is the one thing he's not going to do. He's not like a reader. He's not. He's just not an inside linebacker. Yeah. The rest of it's awesome. He's our best pass rusher. He's really good in coverage. I mean, he's he's an athlete, right? So like he, it's like having a quasi safety out there. Well, it's like Jordan Glasgow. Exactly. Exactly. And that worked because of the front they had in front of right. him. Right. And so I, I think we're going to see. I think Nakai Hill Green come back mm-hmm. this week. We've had some reports from the pay sites that Hill Green. Well, he's a Maryland guy, right? Yeah, Edwards. Yeah. So <laughs> he'll, get a, he'll get a flea flicker, right? Um, and then uh, Keegan. Get a pass this one. <laughs> are, are supposed to be available for this game, so we'll see. Yeah, you know, I think that you might want Nakai Hill Green out there for running downs. Yeah, um, and then Barrett is maybe a choice when you have like a third and six and you don't want to go to a pure dime, but you, you do have a role for him on the defense. And you need to rotate linebackers. And like, I, I nothing against Mullings, but like the second he picked up the block punt, I was like, okay, here we go. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I, I had a similar thought. I was like, let's. But I mean, if he's yeah. on the two deep, you can't move him. No, he can't because Stokes is doing just fine. And I think we saw from Corum. This is another thing I picked up is that Quorum was very physical in this game. Yeah. So he had a heartworthy cut block on a blitz, and then he was lined up in the slot and absolutely annihilated a defensive end. Uh-huh. And then Michigan got a little bit more resistance on the ground from UConn, so there were a couple opportunities for him to shake a guy in the backfield, dig out a couple yards, Yeah. and then... Well, they're running a lot of stretch zone, so the, I mean, well, just and that puts it on the linebacker to kind of figure out where his gap's going to be and get the, their past the guy. Just in terms yeah. of Corum making yards after contact, yeah, he did better in this game than I think he did all last year, and it's I mean, pretty. Colson, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm talking oh, about like Corum. Corum. Yeah, okay. we're I, I'm I've yanked the discussion back to the offense. Gotcha. <laughs> Sorry, and I figure that he's going to be your short yards back, and mm-hmm. that's probably just going to be fine. Uh, one other thing. Uh, Zach Zinter did have a, a big bounce back game. And yes. in particular, <laughs> Michigan was running a stretch. Uh-huh. And UConn put a linebacker on the line of scrimmage to the top, and that's like almost always we're slanting away from this linebacker, mm-hmm. which is directly into the stretch. And Zinter had a guy lined up inside of him already. Right. So usually if you don't get any help on a guy who's lined up inside of you, and is slanting away from you, you're screwed. Right. I don't or know. Yes. I don't know if I've ever <laughs> seen someone make a block in that situation that means anything. Zinter just cuts the guy, yeah. and that's that's a lot of agility, and more importantly, it's awareness of the situation he's in. Mm-hmm. And that guy is able to get up and he's able to tackle, but it's six yards downfield, and I'm like, that's pretty good. Yeah. So. Whatever hiccups he had last week, I think he overcame uh, very competently, and. One thing that's becoming very clear is that Michigan is a very right-handed ground game. Mm-hmm. So Hayes barely came in for any scoring. Uh, El Hadi was, I think he picked up a plus three. And then the center and then the two guys on the right were much more involved. Which is interesting. Trent A. Jones, like he's the one getting dawed because of his pass protection. But his run I mean, game has been great. Yeah, and then like, the pass protection in this game is like we had El Hadi uh, – think a, a pass play was a run play. Right. And he had one other minus, and then all other pass protection minuses were on the two McCade McNamara <laughs> plays. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, Cade's out probably for this game, but like. Yeah. Uh, maybe that fixes that. I I, 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 It's uncanny. Yeah. I have never seen anything like this because in the Hawaii game, I think his, the protection for Cade McNamara when he was out there was two for eight. So yeah. he's on he's on a two for twelve streak, which is that's yeah that's uh, I, I shouldn't say he's on a two for twelve streak. No, he's the victim is. of a two for twelve streak. Yeah, but conspiracy theory time. And then so the other thing that kind of Stokes didn't have a whole lot to do in this game, but there was one situation where there's an overhang safety and he was unblocked and it was an ISO and he didn't have a route up the middle of the field, mm-hmm. but he did have the ability to pop out and then test that safety. Maybe it goes somewhere and maybe it doesn't. And instead he just pops through this gap in the line yeah. that isn't there. <laughs> right. It's, it's off the back of a guy who's and like beat his guy. Or, to me, that was, that was the cut from the kind of guy who's like, no, I'm not happy. I'm never happy. So I'm, I'm, I'm on board the Stokes bandwagon. I think he's a player. 
Uh, can I add one more thing on defense? Sure. Uh, you were talking about extra guys playing linebacker and Makari Page because they've got this dime. No, 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 they have the dime, but like no, no, no he's not a lot. But like, but he came in and yeah. like I thought it was a linebacker, and then I had to go back. I'm like, wait, wait, who's not? That's that's yeah. Page. He blew up a guard. He blew up a guard. Which uh, you if don't see that very often from a safety. No, especially like, not a guy who's like six foot five. And yeah, has, like is walking a lack of leverage. Yeah. Remember when Pat Massey was a defensive tackle? Let's oh, why do you? Whoa, well, oof, yes. <laughs> he was six foot eight. He should have been a tight end. All right. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've gotten all my things off the chest. We've already given picks for the game this week. Yeah. Uh, you want to just. I can just put the, the music on and then we can talk over it and that will be the end of the podcast. Michigan State losing to Minnesota? It's going to be an interesting game. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, a yes. That's I a believe- yes. I believe in Mich- in Minnesota, okay? I believe in Michigan State. The advanced State. stats love Minnesota. <laughs> they do. I, I, Michigan State can pull one out of their butts, but I, Michigan State can lose this game and get doubled up, or win this game and get doubled up in yardage. How's that? All right. <laughs> See you guys. Bye. is a mayor and a land surveyor with plans of his own. He hates Aruska, he hates a vodka, bandit from his home. He hates Aruska, Aruska, vodka, vodka. He never drank a single drop. He hates Aruska.